Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, where we are dedicated to making you a better tech seller, sharing tried and true sales strategies and answering your questions weekly. Hey, Bobby. What's up, Brian? We are on the third and final parts of uh, reviewing How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's one of both of our favorite books. Uh, the oddly titled How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Um, the last episode, Bobby, we talked about uh, 10 ways to win people to your thinking. And the last one is more around people leadership. Um, but also, if you're if you're an account executive and you're looking to um, be a better leader for your virtual team, this is a great uh, um, review for that, too. He kind of touches on nine different points um, that we'll cover today. And We'll add it really. We'll add it kind of context around uh, if you're a people leader, kind of managing your team and delivering feedback and encouraging your team. Uh, but if you're an account executive, you've got a virtual team. You've got SCs, SEs. Uh, you got inside sales people. Uh, you have all these people. And and what I always talk to my team about, and what I have always talked to my team about over the past uh, 15 years in leadership, is that um, you're really a quarterback and you really are the manager for that extended team. So. Um, the, the more and, and better you act around that, the more you'll get from that extended group. So, Bobby, we'll talk about it from that context as well. I love it. I think that uh, that last point's the big one. Many of us in sales, no matter really what role you're in, you're probably a quarterback of a virtual team. Um, and the higher up you go towards that kind of core rep role is kind of where you should see yourself as a sales manager. And I jokingly said at EMC, I had a team of 100 people when I was a virtual sales manager because of the partner community, the resale community, the distribution community. And there are so many people that really everything had to be firing on all cylinders to make a million dollar storage array land at a customer site and work that uh, it's no small job. And I think that's why we also get to reap the benefits of having a big job like that. Yeah, and we we've had a request for a listener's choice around this, so that might be a good one for us to uh, do in the near future around how to be a good quarterback and uh, team lead. So, uh, Bobby, let's jump into it. So, again, this is being a leader: how to change people without giving offense or arousing resentment. Uh, first point is uh, begin with praise and honest appreciation. Again, what we're not trying to do is a, is an S uh, sandwich here. What's called an S sandwich. Um, but people will do things begrudgingly um, for criticism or if you're kind of an iron-fisted leader. But um, they'll work wonders if they're praised and appreciated. And I, all of these, I think, Bobby, you made the point in the first episode we did in this series, all of these have to be done in a in a honest and truthful way. People can see through in bad intentions. So um, I think it's fair to say that any of these we discussed today, if, if the um, praise is is not real people will see through it so all of this stuff has to be real as we talk through it today of course no doubt and and i i think i'm such a good podcaster because i had so many failures early on in my career i have so much to share um of the bad i did but i can say like in the first manager job i had of course i was very young and i did a lot of good things to get promoted right i had no real leadership skills i had no real management skills i had no people skills and I figured if I got promoted, and, and it was stupid thinking, but if I got promoted, why doesn't the company surely wants everyone to work just like I did? And uh, I guess 
through criticism and uh, through trying to get people to do everything my way, I, I turned a lot of people off in that first manager job. I was managing other technical consultants at the time. But I have no doubt that they left jobs early, that they left the office early, that they just didn't do some of the critical things to literally begrudgingly make my job, make me not look good, make my team not look good. Nothing that individually made them all look bad, but I can say it's a real deal that uh, it's not too hard for individual contributors to to jinx the whole thing if you're not careful. One of my guys' um, current uh, direct reports always kind of uh, jokingly talks about his uh, love language, and he's a very self-aware guy. He knows what makes him tick, and that's been a big um, you know, managing him, I, we were peers for a long time and, and now I manage him and it's been, a, it's been good and eye opening to me, uh, because he is very intentional about that and he understands his SEs and how they tick and how the enterprise architects tick. And he's a very genuine guy and that feedback that he delivers to them, um, you know, prior to meetings, post meetings, between meetings, um, it's really taken well because he, he's got this like innate sense about like what makes people tick and it's, it's really forced me to up my game a bit too, to help, you know, as I, whether it's get a birthday present for somebody on the extended team or, or core team or celebrate somebody's, you know, workday anniversary, um, with that lens, um, I, I, it helps, helps me be more intentional about, um, praising and appreciating the people that work for me. Because the reality is like, if, if the aim here is really just to rule with an iron fist, I'm out. I have no interest in that. Like I'll find something else to do. No doubt. No doubt. I, I still don't have the love language and, and we'll have to keep working on that, but uh, I'm trying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, there's, there's some goodness, uh, family life there too. Uh, Maybe you yes. can introduce me to him and I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll learn from him as well. There you go. Uh, number two is, uh, call mis- uh, attention to people's mistakes indirectly. No one likes to make mistakes, especially in front of others. Scolding and blaming others only serves to humiliate, uh, humiliate them. Um, you know, I don't, I, this book, I would love this book. This one is, um, I almost think you get a better response. Um, you almost get a better response if it's, um, if you get to the feedback quick and you don't make a big deal about it, but you're direct about it. So that's, that's probably my approach. And I guess what they're what he's really saying here is like not is is not like call somebody to the carpet in a really embarrassing way in front of other people and that kind of stuff like which I, I completely agree. But I think there is a fine line here of not getting to what the point is. Hey, on that int- on the int- introduction uh, that you did for the customer there, there was there were a few wasted words. Here you know here's what I thought like if you get to the point there, then I, I just think it makes for a more truthful relationship. Now, what, what do you think? Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, we both know someone that I, I believe this is kind of a combination of, of number two here and number four, where the, this person that I'm thinking of, they, they would uh, infallibly ask questions, which is number four. We'll get to that one in a minute. But those questions in combination with not being direct about the thing I was doing wrong continued to kind of show me what I was doing wrong. And like I felt like, that person could literally scold me through their questions and I'd walk away not feeling terrible about it, but that I was doing a bad job. Right. Um, yes. And so I think, I think that it, it did, it did, it does work for some people cause it definitely worked for them. 
Um, but I can tell you, I also felt like I didn't like it. Like it, it never was in that moment cause it was so soft and indirect and the questions were seemed to be so genuine and, and inquisitive that I was drawn in and would like reflect. And then it was my personality beating me up. But then I'd like two days later be like, man, he was, that was mean. <laughs> but so I, I'm with you. I, I think I have. I have a huge ego, unfortunately, but I have a I have thick skin. Like if someone would just tell me you are breaking this, this is not working, I would much rather hear that and move on from it, or try to get some help with it. That that's the other thing is people that I think are in this indirect mode, they're never rolling their sleeves up and really trying to teach and coach. So that's the I'm with you there a little bit, Brian. That a, a better coach and a better manager and a better friend would be someone who just calls it and says, "Let's let's figure out how to do it right, a better way," versus someone who kind of beats around the bush all the time and hopes you just figure it out on your own. Yeah, I, and this is one that I think um, I think well, if you if you think you're not good at it, it's probably because you continue to raise the bar on how you deliver it because I think you are good at it. Uh, but I think both of us, if we looked back 15 years ago, we had lack, you know, it's the whole, you know, 10,000 attempts thing, right? It's, I think we had so few attempts of delivering feedback um, that it was uncomfortable and it was hard. And then our jobs have forced us into delivering feedback so much over the years that I think you get better and better at it. And I think that's really, you know, me moving from kind of a specialist uh, over in the London job to where I did not have direct reports to you know, back to managing here on the state side. Um, I didn't have to deliver as much feedback as a specialist. I still deliver a lot of feedback, but not, not daily. Right. And that's kind of my job now is delivering daily. And it kind of, I think once you kind of get back in the mode, you're like, Oh, okay, this is, I, I can't beat around the bush here. Like now it, now it matters big time. You know, now it's, now it's the people that, that we have to deliver together in order for me to be successful. Whereas over there, like I could kind of, you know, in a way, I could get away with it if uh, if somebody didn't fix a problem or fix a challenge. No doubt, and, and this is a good point. We're gonna I'm gonna derail us just for a second because as a young sales rep and as a, as a young person coming up through tech, I did not realize that the experience was as valuable as it was. It's this mother and father speak of one day you'll understand this or one day you'll realize how much we love you is when you have kids like this experience thing that you're talking about these 10,000 opportunities to provide feedback is the reason why we're better at it today than we were back then and if you feel like you're listening to this podcast and you're stuck and you're young and people keep telling you you don't have experience it, it might be hard to hear but it, it's true you probably don't and the only way you're going to get better at it is by practicing and really trying hard and having an experience and then learning from it and reflecting on it and then moving on just because you're great and killing your number does not mean you you're next in line you really need that experience yeah and to that end uh bobby the you know, i guess kind of the consulting part of the business continues to grow you just took on a new student that's effectively looking to improve himself looking to to grow his business and and so if if you're in that spot too, to where you're looking to kind of grow your business and you want some very direct feedback and you think you're not getting that and you, you think you could take that, um, you know, reach out to us, uh, info at techsaleslab.com and we're happy to kind of share what that program looks like. 
All right, uh, number three, uh, talk about your own mistakes before criticizing the other person. When something goes wrong, taking responsibility can help you win others to your side. People don't like to shoulder all the blame, and taking credit for mistakes helps to remove the sting of critiques of others. And uh, this one comes, a lot of these don't come naturally for me. This one does come naturally for me. Uh, I'm I'm hard on myself, and... uh, and so what I find is that um, in a case to where it's like we're jointly working together on a project or we're not not getting something done, I really try to look introspectively about what mistakes I made along the way. And man, that just, it does this almost instant disarming for other people and allows us to kind of bottom out and get to a, a real conversation about what's working and what's not working. But I, I kind of, I, I tend to try to lead with where I missed uh, to kind of disarm the situation in a way. Yeah, this is a little bit more natural as well. For me, I think that uh, in these team settings, it's it's obvious when you win and it's obvious when you lose. And uh, the only thing I'd flip on this one is if if you're going to share the blame when things go wrong, you got to share the win. And I think that's hard for some core reps or some some specialty reps that when their product gets bought, they they beat their chest and they they're proud of themselves and We've talked about it many times, but it's the subtle phone calls and the the, the, the praising of people around you when the, when you win is the same as this, um, which I think maybe the criticism's easier for everybody, but the sharing the win is not as easy. So make sure you do it both sides of the deals. Yep. And even if it's even if you um, like what I always tell the team, and I, I think sometimes it's not fair is um, as the quarterback, as the team lead a demo going bad is on your shoulders, period. And you may say, well, that the SC didn't deliver the demo like like we asked them to. Well, we probably should have helped them prep better. And like sometimes that's not fair. I get it. Um, but I think if you always take that approach as the quarterback, if you're an account executive and you take that approach, like no matter the outcome, I'm on the hook. Uh, if you take that approach, preparation tends to always be better. And which means execution is going to be better, which means it's going to be, it's going to lead to more wins in a, in a perfectly clean environment, of course. So sure. Yep. Um, asking questions instead of giving direct orders. This is probably more on, you know, more on a, um, well, I don't know. I think it's both for a first line manager and an account executive, but ask questions instead of giving direct orders. No one likes to take orders, especially kind of in this, um, more executive sales you know, business that we're in and technology sells. Um, what I, my approach here as a manager is there is, there are just some non-negotiables. There are things that we got to take care of for, for the quarter. There are some things that we got to take care of as we're running pursuits and managing deals. Those are kind of non-negotiables. And I think, I think the team for the most part understands that as an account executive, you are in this unique spot to where those people dotted line to you for a period of time, for a pursuit, for a, you know, existing customer, whatever the case may be. And um, I do try to make it as an account executive and my account executives do try to make it a collaborative process. Like uh, here's, here's the eval plan we put together. Here's the trades I'm asking with the customer. Here's what I'm asking for you. Hey, they're in this industry. What do you think about this? How do you think we could approach that? Uh, a lot of times are the people that, you know, delivering the demos or the architects or whatever roles that you kind of have that, that dotted line into you uh, have good feedback. They've been in a lot more, demos over the past two weeks than probably even you have. Um, so I try to make it, and they try to make it a collaborative process when it comes to how we uh, run and manage pursuits. 
Yeah, we talked about this in a little bit. I, I think the questions is is easy to do, but uh, hard to get the results from if if unless you're the wizard of the questions. Indeed. Number five, this is pretty straightforward. Uh, let the other person say face. Nothing diminishes the dignity of a person by insulting the, their pride. I think as long as we're working under the assumption that uh, he or she is uh, working in good faith, then, man, there is no reason to just to, to whip somebody. Um, so I, if, you're, if we're taking the approach that they're um, uh, working hard and they're trying to do all the right things and they're trying to get better, with that assumption in place, um, then we're, you know, then that, then why, why insult them in front of anybody? Even if they're not doing that, there's no need to insult them in front of anybody, but they may not be a good fit for, for your core team or the extended team. That's for sure. Yeah. And this one blends a little bit with the next one for me, but I'll say as that young manager, I was looking for anything that would help me think from the other person's perspective stumbled upon the book one minute manager and the whole concept of one minute manager really is find find the good and praise that good thing i think we, we continue to fall back into uh, we're human beings so it's so much easier when you get a report card for your kids if you don't have kids you'll understand this you get five a's and one f you, you you're just going to ask questions about the f and it's hard to praise the five a's and that's the same thing when you're managing people. They might win, 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 and then they lose, and they called it, and they put it in commit. And you want to, you want to, you want you will ask a lot more questions about that deal because the business will ask a lot more questions about that deal. But there's no reason to do it in front of someone. And the more you can find the good in what people are doing and praise them for that, then that's good. Number six really is praise every improvement, and we have a few spins on this one, but. One minute manager really helped me to to learn as a as a virtual team member and as a manager. I need to find the things that people are doing good and so tell them in front of others you're doing good. That was good. Thanks for that. You did a great job. Thanks for pulling this meeting together. Blah blah blah. And then the criticisms when they did have to happen, not necessarily in public, but it gave you a little bit of credit to do that as well on the side. So um, that's something to think about as we talk about praise every improvement. People love to receive that praise and admiration. Um, there is a little bit that this can go too far. I think Brian and I both feel this way that, you know, you take and you praise and you praise and you praise. And it's, I've seen it a dozen times, whether I was doing the praising or not, someone gets real cocky real quick. Um, and they, they think that not, they think that nothing they do is wrong at that point. Um, but they're probably still making some mistakes and they're probably not as perfect as they think they are. Uh, so you got to use a little bit of caution there too. What do you think on praising every improvement, Brian? Yeah, I, well, the secondary, the second thing you mentioned about people getting a complex, I've one hundred percent seen that, and then they become resistant. They become kind of feedback resistant, which creates an even bigger struggle, of course. Uh, so yeah, it can go too far. I think um, there's great public avenues to do it too. You can post feedback on LinkedIn. Uh, for the companies that use Workday or probably other HR systems, you can deliver feedback and leave it on their on their system there too internally for their reviews. So taking five minutes to write a review somebody on LinkedIn, I've got a I've got a good friend in London that I see once a month. He writes up um, a public praise on LinkedIn for one of his teammates, and he spends time doing it, and it's incredibly nice and kind, and it's a public uh, thing, and and man. The mileage he gets out of that, he doesn't do that for 
for this, but it's a great outcome. The mileage he gets from that is huge, right? Um, and I, I think it's also good to be specific on what feedback that you, or what you're praising. So um, what I try to do is write down specific things or circumstances somebody did that really resonated well with the crowd, and it makes the feedback that much more important. If, if the... If the feedback is, I'll give you an example. Feedback from an SC is like, man, that, that was a great demo today. You did a great demo today. All right, that's you could say that was praise and admiration, but it wasn't specific at all. Like uh, we had an SC uh, last Wednesday that um, he was delivering a demo for a bank. And uh, for that bank, he came really, really prepared uh, he had a bunch of scenarios, a uh, bunch, bunch of banking scenarios built out. He even took the time to put some of their locations in the system. And so my feedback to him was very specific. You, you, Not only did you deliver a great demo, you delivered some very specific examples that really resonated to him. You took time to build rapport with the CFO. And uh, I guess the point of it is write those things down. If you're uh, uh, an account executive and you got one note open during the demo, Make some very specific notes about what things are going well and, of course, what things are going bad, too. It'll be that much more meaningful to everybody that's involved. Yeah, and the last thing I'll add there is is the the continuous praise and that person that turns kind of sour to the team because they get it over and over and over again. The real risk there, too, I've seen happen is where they just don't they, – they don't like any idea that's not their idea, right? And that's not what you're trying to lead them to. You're, you're trying to lead them to the – that they're a great team player, they're valuable, and that it's not about the individual. So as you give that feedback, make it more about what they did to help the team, not more about what they did to to pump their ego up. I think that'll lend someone to be more successful long-term. Indeed. Uh, Give the other person a fine, this is number seven, give the other person a fine reputation to live up to. Um, This really goes back to what we talked about last week. Um, If we, if we, if we uh, work with people with, under the assumption of their noblest intentions, um, then we'll work with some, you know, it'll, it'll shine through a bit more true. Um, they'll desire to embody those characteristics that we've described them to. Um, and they'll work with kind of confidence that they, that if they believe that those are their noble intentions, um, they can do even better with that. Um, so that's a, I like that one a lot. It's, we're assuming the best in people. That's how I think how you can bottom out number seven. Agreed. Nothing to add. Number eight, uh, use encouragements. Make the fault seem easy to correct. Uh, if it seems like a momentous task, people are going to give up and lose heart. Uh, I used to work with uh, an architect that, man, the the demos were just really, really rough. He was very, very smart. Um, but he needed so much work. He needed another you know, 50 attempts before I, I thought that he could actually get to a spot to where I thought he was a, a B plus player even. And, um, I didn't have a great way to coach him. A, a better way to coach him probably would, would to give him be to give him very small steps, you know, like, Hey, let's start with the, the demo script that you're going through here. Let's simplify this a bit. Let's make sure that we can nail this, this script. It's not going to make him a perfect presenter, but by, uh, fixing some really very fixable core things, we could at least take some of the sting out of the presentation. And um, and then once we're through that, then we can take another step. Okay, let's have you present in front of your peers. Let's put you in some you know, uncomfortable uh, you know, demo 
because I, he would get more nervous. He, we both had a bad script, and he would get nervous. So it's kind of trying to fix one small thing at a time rather than saying, man, you just got to start over. Yeah, I agree there. It's I I try to come up with like what's minimally required in those in, in those instances, and you use the script as an example, right? Yeah. If if I'm struggling with somebody or something, then then I pick the one thing that I really need them to do or accomplish for me, and I I ask for that one thing, and that normally seems to help. Yeah, minimize minimize their role too in the meeting, uh, which can be uncomfortable, but it's uh, it will be critical. Uh, make the other person happy to do what you suggest. Most people respond uh, well when they desire to do the behavior put forth. Um, and so we got to frame our desires with their desires. If their goal is to um, be a people leader, um, then they need to work to get some thick skin. And so maybe our feedback and uh, encouragement to them needs to be about, hey, when I when I gave you this feedback or when this leader gave you feedback on this scenario, you were reluctant or you pushed back or you didn't just accept it. And if, if your aim is truly to accomplish this next in your career, these kind of things are going to happen all the time. You're going to get it Tuesday nights and you got to be willing to accept that feedback with a smile on your face and, and get ready to move on. Otherwise, they're going to be reluctant to put you in that kind of leadership role. Um, and I think that's for me, that's a tactic I use to to do number nine, which is how to make people happy about doing what you suggest. Uh, because it is like in the first line leader role, or certainly on on up, um, the feedback comes more quickly, and it becomes uh, becomes what our what that that good leader you and I both worked for. Uh, what do you say? It's uh, feedback is wrapped in duct tape, oftentimes to make it a little softer and you got to unwrap that duct tape to get to the feedback. As you move up in the organization there, there becomes less and less duct tape. This is true. And your, your skin needs to be just a little bit thicker for sure. Um, I think on this one, it is, it's letting people see the bigger picture. I've seen this where, um, people don't necessarily want to help the greater good cause they're not paid on that thing or they're not getting, they're not getting part of the accolades for that thing. But the, the, the bigger picture is it. And, for the flight school, I have a simple example that we have some hourly guys that help us work on the planes and move planes. They they love aviation, and sometimes they they lose sight of that that it's the teaching that's where we're making the money, and that their their job is to move planes around. But um, it's as simple as asking them to get water out of a puddle by telling them that you know think about the plane. What's that water going to do? To the plane? It's going to make the plane rust. It could do you know. It's the getting them to see the good thing they love and appreciate. And then it's the getting the water out of the puddle. That's the job they have to do today to make that happen is similar to those bigger picture stories that you might have to engage with a specialty rep who doesn't want to help bring in another specialty rep because they're not going to get paid on it, but it's the greater good of the company. That's what we need to do. It's, it's how you're going to do it as a leader. Um, and you want people to get bought in and excited about the bigger picture and, if you do that, I think they'll get more excited about trying to help you accomplish those bigger goals too. Agreed. And Bobby, with that, we'll wrap up the series. Uh, again, this was uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People based off the book uh, from Dale Carnegie in 1937. A very, very old one, but a very, very good one. Um, thanks everyone for listening. We're still looking for great listeners' choice ideas, so reach out to us at info at com, and uh, we'd love to uh, take your feedback. Awesome. Good series. We'll wrap it up as always. 
Average is the enemy. Average sucks. Don't be average, people. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Subscribe to our email list at www.techsaleshow.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Tech Sales Show. Until next week, average is the enemy. 